I'm Asia Freeman, uh, Artistic Director of Benell Street Art Center, and it's, it's a real pleasure for us to continue to host. I think we're going on the 13th week of um, these dialogues um, surrounding inspiration and um, isolation and, and adaptation to um, the many things we're maneuvering right now. COVID-19, certainly, but also, um, you know, an environmental crisis or a recession and a huge human rights movement. Um, all of these things are impacting artists in um, profound ways, they're impacting all of us, but artists seem to um, have a deep uh, agency, a capacity for adaptation, um, for, for uh, maneuvering and creative response. That's um, fascinating, and so, um, I'm so excited to have with me today um, Mariah Maloney, Becky Kendall, and Maura Garcia. Um, these women are all dancers, and um, they have all done some really um, significant work um, with and, and for us here at Benell Street Art Center. And so um, I just want to um, welcome each of you and um, to say that we'll take this hour to uh, share um, some questions. I'll, I'll offer some questions and I'll ask some um, of each of you and invite you to ask um, questions of each other. And um, let me begin by just reading a brief uh, biography about each of you to orient our listeners. Originally from Homer, Mariah Maloney is a New York-based dance artist located in Brooklyn and Brockport, New York. Mariah Maloney Dance formed in 2003, and today the company is invited to perform, teach, and create new work in New York, throughout the United States, Europe, Asia, and South America. Most recently, Mariah was here with us um, creating original work um, in a, for a piece called Advice from an Estuary a project mm -hmm. of um, Wendy Erd and um, the composer um, Lawrence Moss. Uh, Becky Kendall is a choreographer, performer, and educator based in Anchorage. Creating work for a stage, a park, or a rooftop, Becky is inspired to connect to people in new ways and in non-traditional environments. After returning to Anchorage, which is her home, Becky founded Momentum Dance Collective with six fellow artists in 2008. She continues to serve as artistic director and as a core member of the Light Brigade in Anchorage. And um, Becky's done a few different projects with us. I'm trying to remember the last one. I think that it was a... Um, well, we'll talk about it, but it was it was very interesting. You're always you're always up for some um, pretty far out idea in collaboration. That's something I really adore about you. <laughs> Maura Garcia, who's a non-enrolled Cherokee Madamusquite, is a dance artist who creates contemporary Indigenous performance to form connections, empower cultural values, explore the rhythms of the natural world. Maura's artistic creations reflect the power of stories to form and change our realities through narrative-driven choreography and beat-embracing movement. Maura was with us here in Alaska in November for the um, creation of a new piece called the Indigenous um, Roadshow, so she was in residence at that time. So thank you all and welcome, and welcome to all of those who are joining us um, 
from near and far. And um, I, I think actually we're, we're waiting to be able to hear and see Mora, but we'll continue. Um, so let's just start, if I could ask each of you to, you know, Mariah and Becky at this point to, to orient us to um, what you've been doing in the last six months. So I'd love to just begin with what you were doing before COVID. And, um, and basically, um, uh, what you've shifted to doing. When you want to start us out, Mariah? So before COVID, I was conducting research as part of a five-year research project um, that is looking at the potato famine in Ireland. And last summer, I spent about three weeks in Ireland doing field work, immersing myself in the country and feeling on a cellular level the ancestral experience of the potato famine. And in the fall, I had 14 dancers that I um, was lucky enough to create a group work with. Sophie was one of the dancers. And it was sort of the height of working with lots of people in space and time. And it was so beautiful. And then in Ireland, I went to these set dances with 150 participants. So again, I was in a really, really populated space moving with a lot of people. And um, since December, the piece was premiered in December, the section of the piece, um, I was working on a solo work, um, very much cellular, very much the um, body-mind centering work that I'm doing with Bonnie Bainbridge-Cohen, which looks right now I'm really interested in looking at the glands and the natural uh, muse that comes through tuning into the glandular system specifically. So I was tuning into a solo work as the pandemic was coming. I was planning on continuing my research in Ireland this summer. I was planning on being in New York City to work with two other dancers. Um, and then I got really sick. I got, I got COVID and I was really sick for um, two weeks and then pretty sick for another six weeks. And um, I have been dancing in my house. I, before I got sick, I decided I would show up and dance and I would share it on Instagram because one minute seemed like really reasonable amount to share. And it's called Somaraya Living, period, space, space, dances. I had no idea I was going to get sick consciously. I must have known unconsciously. Um, I have paused on the Somaraya living room dances in honoring the, the movement of social justice. And at the moment, I'm tuning into cellular work with mentors, Bonnie Bainbridge-Cohen, Dalai Lama, Karma Guru in New Delhi, India. And I'm studying with my mentors in classes. And I'm doing, I'm exploring, but I'm not sharing anything publicly at this moment. Thank you, Mariah, for sharing that with us. And I'm um, really fascinated to talk with you more. That's right, the Maloney's are from Ireland. So that ancestral exploration that you um, have engaged in there is super fascinating. So Becky, let's shift over to you and tell us um, what, you've, um, been, what you've been doing in the last six months. Yeah, um, first off, thank you, Mariah, for sharing that. Um, and 
um, being so open, I have to say already, I just feel like such a sense of um, care and peace in being part of this conversation. Um, and I, I've loved listening to them. Um, and thank you, Asia and everybody for, for being here um, and hosting us. Um, so the past six months, um, let's see, my company and my work over the last, this last year has really been um, about understanding our connections and being really outward facing in a different way. We started, um, we've been in existence as a dance company for about, this is our 12th year um, in Anchorage. And over the last year and a half, we started focusing on connecting to other dancers in communities here in Alaska. So we got to explore work um, and movement makers in, in Homer and Ketchikan, um, Fairbanks mm -hmm. and Cordova. And um, that work was leading us to a place of this um, idea of identifying uh, how we uh, make work in a very specific place. And um, we, we really were thinking about how we can expand the vision of what we were doing. And, and part of that expansion came in um, to finding ourselves in a um, studio space. We've existed just primarily as a um, body of, of movers that didn't occupy a studio um, or a school. And so we collaborated with two other artists to, to launch a space called Studio C here in Anchorage. And it's um, our dance company along with the visual artist in Zena Marari and a um, filmmaker and photographer, Brian Pentecostas. And we moved in in November and we were really excited to um, see how this space could hold multidisciplinary work and feature different voices. And, and also as a space for our company to build a work in collaboration with all of these dancers we worked with across Alaska um, and, and uh, an artist named Kat Moore, who I think was on the program here last week. Um, and I'm excited to tune back in and hear that. Uh, but we were working on a, a piece called Sugar and Salt that was going to perform in, in April. And uh, of course that didn't happen and so uh, I've just been shifting my mindset on what it means to have these connections, um, what it means to, to make work and occupy a physical space in a place where people can't gather um, anymore. And, um, and honestly, I've spent a lot of time just sitting with myself and, and being uncomfortable a little bit with the lack of of my daily um, pacing and um, and and so that's been really interesting and and I'm just starting to come out of the, what I feel like was like my morning period of not being able to make and create work and be with people and um, and thinking about how uh, my art is shifting and finally starting to be excited about the shift um, and in no small part to programs like this and listening to other artists talk. Um, so yeah, thank you for, for all that. Thank you, Becky. I can hear the raw, you know, emotion and the vulnerability, especially, um, you know, like over trying to, dealing with not being able to work in the way, you know, that, that you need to for your soul. And I just appreciate your courage and, and being 
here with us in that way. <laughs> I think Mora Garcia has joined us. Are you there, Mora? Can you? Hear I us? am finally, and yeah. I am so sorry for the technological mishaps. After yeah. many Zoom meetings, this is my this is my first one where nothing worked. <laughs> so. Isn't that perfectly ironic? Well, thank you for your persistence. That's, that's just how we need to be right now is, is, is very persistent. And one of the things, um, well, what we're talking about right now is just what we've been up to in um, the last six months, you know, before and then, and then once COVID hit. And, and I, I'll just start out by saying you have been incredibly persistent. You want to talk a little bit about that? <laughs> thank um, you. Yes. What, um, do you want me to talk now? Sure. I would love for you to talk about what you've been up to and how you've persisted yes. in your work. Okay. Well, thank you. And thank you all. Um, thank you for making this space available. And I'm sorry I got to miss the beautiful words of the other folks before me. Um, but uh, I think I have been lucky in the fact that I have uh, lived in places that are outside of city hubs and um you know because of my family situation or economic situation have you know tried kind of had to come up with inventive ways to continue making work anyway this was pre-covid um and that even in sometimes you know rehearsing in outside parks or rehearsing in basketball um you know, basketball gyms when no one's in there, um, making work with folks who may not necessarily be professional dancers, but are, are wonderful movers. Um, and so I, I feel lucky that I've, that's something that I've already been doing. Um, and of course, obviously with COVID, we have the large problem of not being able to gather, which affects dance and dancers and audiences in a different kind of way than perhaps uh, someone maybe that's doing photography. I mean, it's, it's a, just a different effect. Um, but in terms of my kind of daily working schedule, that hasn't necessarily changed as much because it's been not normal and um, kind of having to do as much as possible with what I have anyway. Um, the thing that I have been as, as everyone else who tours and uh, works on the road has been dealing with is the not touring and the not presenting to larger audiences. So I've been trying to work as much as possible within social media and within um, video formats to kind of get the work out there in the meantime. And also perhaps uh, not just necessarily in the meantime, but as another way to reach people that may might not have access to theaters might not um, feel comfortable in those spaces, but might feel comfortable in viewing something online or through video format. Um, so I don't know if that answer, I hope that answered your question. Absolutely. And it's, um, yeah. it's, a, it's a great segue into kind of like where I want to go next. And that is, um, what are you learning about what you want to say and dance through the new formats that you've been experimenting. Cause I've noticed you have been, you know, very prolific in your posting, especially to, to Instagram, you know, and Facebook, your, your short, um, and really powerful dances. What are, 
you know, you're giving something and you're giving it for free. What are you getting? Mm, that's a good point. You brought that up. So, um, actually, well, I, and just so you know, I did actually finally get off of Facebook for the meantime, but I'm back. I'm still on Instagram. Um, but I guess I have, um, I've learned, you know, someone commented to me, they, because they've only become acquainted with my work since the shutdown, actually. They said, oh, you do uh, improv work. And I said, well, no, actually, I don't. Um, not, I don't really perform improv work. But um, with the coming of the lockdown, I wanted to be able to give something to people and share. And, uh, you know, the purpose of, for me, of living in general is that we're supposed to uplift one another uh, through dance. And I wanted to share something, but I also realized you, uh, there's only so much one can give away for free. And then later on, you know, someone is not going to want to pay you if you've given away everything for free. <laughs> so there's that thing going on as well. Uh, but I realized that there was value in my, re in my rehearsals and also value in, in improv uh, with a purpose that could be shared, it could be given, and also not necessarily compromising if I'm creating a, you know, fully choreographed work that I want to uh, be able to make a living from. So uh, for me, realizing the value in rehearsal videos or even short videos that are, you know, not necessarily fully produced and that that can also be a gift to people uh, and that, that also doesn't, I'm not, you know, selling myself short either. So I, I, that has been a wonderful compromise and something I've realized um, during these times. Um, yeah. They're, they're extraordinary um, energetic outputs. You know, every time I look at your work, I feel like I get kind of like this creative defib. You know, you, you put so much really powerful uh, muscular and spiritual energy into your work. It's like watching a lightning storm. It's really fascinating. Aww. For people who haven't checked it out, I really encourage you. Maybe it's because of the short format, you know, that you can just throw, you know, so much light into that, you know, into that effort. But that's quite fascinating. I, I suspect you've um, shifted a lot of people's ideas about dance. <laughs> just, you oh. know, I'm interested if you've heard any feedback, you know, from some of your audience around that. Just, just any interesting feedback. Yeah, um, and thank you for that. That's a kind thing to say. Um, I, you know, actually I have, uh, the, the interesting thing, and I, I commented, I told someone else this as well, is that I feel that I've actually been reaching people who are not quote unquote normal dance audiences. Um, and so, a lot of folks that have reached out to me and commented, some of them I've gotten comments from, you know, from people that are lighting texts and that from people who are, you know, directors of theaters, but I've also gotten comments and feedback from people who have never seen live dance at all and who are not familiar with kind of contemporary dance, let alone contemporary indigenous dance. Um, so, uh, I've, I've gotten some really touching feedback. People have messaged me and told me that uh, the work inspired them or that it gave them energy. I think the best thing someone told me was that it gave them life. Um, so I felt deeply honored 
it just kind of reminds me what's the what is the purpose of dancing in the first place is to for me it is to be a channel of the energy that you know that runs throughout the universe and i'm supposed to funnel it out through my body and through movement and so when she said that i thought okay well then then it's working and i'm going to continue on yeah that's that's really interesting and it makes me think about something um you know i'm I'm a person who likes to move. I, I'm into yoga, but I'm really uncomfortable with performing. And so I, I make a, I don't, I don't go there. But what I think about that's so brave in, in the format that you're providing, like these tiny movies on Instagram, is that there's an opportunity to look at that in the privacy of whatever space the viewer might be to the privacy of the space in which you're performing. And it's an extraordinarily intimate experience. And I realize that one of the things about dance that sometimes I find really unsettling is this gift of immense, like this divulsion from the artist. It's a kind of intimate energy that just gets really through the body, which is, you know, a sensual vehicle, like a lot of information. And so I think that I can imagine that's a, a space where people could connect and sustain their attention in that way more comfortably because it's kind of private. Mariah, you're nodding your head a lot. And so I just wanted to ask you what you're thinking about as you, as you hear these thoughts. I just love that we are not limited by space and time and that as a human race, we've evolved this, this technology to be able to be in an intimate, ephemeral, physical, real experience through a screen. It's, it blows my mind and I would love to be able to see all of Mora's films on Instagram. I, I need I need the Instagram um, address. <laughs> yeah. um, can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. And um, I, I think a lot about adaptability. Anyone who's been really sick in their lifetime understands adaptability mm. because when you're really sick, you have to adapt to that new experience or if you've had a family member that's been really sick. And at mm. this moment, we're in that, that experience of we're all together and we're all really sick in, in, as a world. And through that is coming change that will heal and bring forward a more enlightened race. And it's so beautiful that we can do that. Mm -hmm. And you've been, you have been, giving these dances i know you paused during the you know mm -hmm. the current um human rights movement but mm -hmm. these are um really beautiful meditations that are happening in your living room mm -hmm. which seem like they have a very spontaneous energy like all of a sudden mm -hmm. you're like oh i'm ready i have this dance and i'm gonna mm -hmm. you know i'm mm -hmm. gonna do it and they're mm -hmm. not um they aren't really long and but they're very um they're really wonderful so talk a little bit about your dances and how you came about that was kind of like after you were out of your sick bed right just before and then after okay. i i think i so the pandemic was announced <clears throat> we were released for spring break i'm in brockport new york where i teach and in my <clears throat> life pre-covid i would not be here 
uh, for many of the weekends I would be in New York City. So my body kept me here. I, my body just kept telling me what to do. I had all these trips to New York planned, I didn't go. And then my body said, you're gonna dance and you're gonna dance in this living room and you're gonna share it. And Instagram will allow you to do a minute without having to do anything else. You can literally just do one minute. And so, like you said, Asia, no matter what, I just made a commitment and I did it every day initially. And then I got sick. And then I haven't, I think since I've recovered from being sick, I've done it maybe every 10 days. And now I haven't done it for several weeks and I don't know when I'll share again. I am still very much exploring without my cellular body spirit exploration, I would wither and die. So I've not stopped, but I've, I'm, I'm pausing to figure out so much that I need to figure out about my, my lineage in dance, my lineage as a human being. I'm pausing and I'm loving the spiritual work because the spiritual work has no boundaries. We're all the same. We all have spirits. And um, I did look at a video today of a duet I worked on with two dancers in New York. And for anyone that has seen the space in New York City, dance space, it's a very large, beautiful church. I was just awestruck by space. It was all space. These two bodies in this huge space and it seemed like a dance about space. So I feel like I see everything differently right now. I will never see things the way I saw them pre-COVID, pre this time. And I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful. Thank you. Becky, you've been pausing too, you know, and yet you've also been working really hard. You're also an arts administrator. And so there's always that choreography that you're maneuvering between, um, you know, the work um, to support arts, you know, in Alaska on so many different levels. Would you be comfortable talking a little bit about some of the things that you've been thinking about while pausing and what's gestating? Yeah. Um... It's really interesting. I, I listened to um, the executive director of um, Dance Theatre of Harlem, Anna Glass. She was talking about this time being a gift of courage and um, how much that resonated with me and, and what that courage looks like for everybody is quite different. Um, and whether that's the courage to pause um, or the courage to use your voice, right? Or um, to be honest and not censor yourself anymore. Um, everybody is finding a different set of courage right now. Um, and, and I, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that and how beautiful that is. And um, for me, taking a, a pause on creating, um, because I've been focusing so much on, on my other work um, in arts administration, has been really tough because I, I feel like without that creativity, uh, in my body, I miss the create the transition between taking that creativity in the mind has been really hard. Um, and so as I've 
been I've been finding new ways to be creative in order to fill those gaps. Um, I think I told you, Asia, that like uh, earlier that um, because I can't move my body and dance with my collaborators, I've like been turning to different methods of creativity and and singing and learning guitar. Um, all very badly, um, but at the same time, it's giving me a different sense of um, work and finding a different sense of work in, in that creative process has been a real gift. And, um, and also supporting the local arts ecosystem in a different way, um, I've found is actually really mirroring the kind of dance work I like to do. Um, I feel very much drawn to, in my dance work, nurturing creatives. Um, I've been spending a lot of time in my garden. Um, so I keep thinking of like how I love to watch things bloom and unearth and, and to give nutrients where they're needed and to carve out space for things that need to grow. And I, I love that in my dance work. And I have loved seeing that in my administrative work as well. And that gives me a, a real sense of purpose. Uh, and I think that sense of purpose is what um, keeps me feeling uh, hopeful. And uh, I've, been, I've been loving that part of this time as well. Um, wow, so you're, you are each speaking from such a place of um, courage, of um, uh, like commitment to like to doing the work, whether it involves a kind of a pause and a meditative sense that Mariah is speaking of, or rechanneling and re-planting um, that energy through other creative means, or um, really um, persistently moving, you know, and um, sharing and opening to new audiences that Mora speaks of. So that's a um, a really deep. Um, a really deep commitment to your creative lives and it's quite well it's it, it is very hopeful actually speaking to each of you um when you think about the last time you performed in terms of a big public space a big stage have you been thinking about that have you thought of, have you thought about that? I'm going to turn back to you, Maura, and ask you to, to um, share with us where you were and when, how you've thought about that experience since that How time. I think about it now or how I thought about it at the time? How about a contrast of the two? Ah, well, um, now I'm trying to think. <laughs> um, oh, wow. So uh, because I did do a performance piece that um, was online and then it's a longer piece but in terms of performing for a live audience I think that my last performance was at the end of February um, and it was an open studio performance uh, hmm. at Caldera Arts Residency in Sisters Oregon and I remember marveling because um, and my nephews are here, so I'm going to try to move away from them. They're very cute, but they're very loud. Uh, <laughs> so forgive me, I'm moving. Um, but my last, uh, was it? Yeah, sorry. It was Caldera Arts Residency. And I marveled because 
there was a really large audience and Sisters Oregon and Caldera is out kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I remember thinking, you know, sometimes you can uh, do all this marketing and, and have something in the middle of a large city and no one comes. And then all of these lovely folks from, you know, ages like 15 to 80 have trekked out here uh, to the mountains to see, you know, the, these the works from these different artists. And so that, that's what I remember thinking. Um, the space was huge. Speaking of space, uh, it was a huge space with a beautiful floor, a backdrop of all different types of wonderful, beautiful Oregon trees and a little bit of snow. And um, so it was one of the most gorgeous places inside that I've ever performed in. Um, and so now when I look back at it, I think, well, a, a very well attended uh, performance about uh, dances that have to do with my ancestors in a beautiful place. I'm well. I'm happy that was my last, you know, my last performance. At least it wasn't a you know kind of a crappy performance and a poorly you know poorly attended. So it was it was it was wonderful. Um, and then after that, I had a residency with children in school, and then after that, everything closed down. Uh, so I'm both of those things. Um, I'm happy that those were some of the last large, you know, public events that I had because they were meaningful, um, and uh, I think they were also meaningful for the people that were there. Yeah, it really makes me reflect on the gift of gift of audience, you know, and um, yes, it, to be in a remote area and have it really well attended by an intergenerational group, and to be doing the kind of work that. Um, honors your ancestors is, is quite a powerful, you know, like last stand before, um, before being shut down, at least to, to the stage experience. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Mariah? What do you think about that last public? It connects to the project, the um, advice from an estuary. Uh, Larry Moss invited me to come down to Maryland to celebrate his work with an uh, evening of music. I think he probably had, I want to say, 40 musicians in the concert. And it was performed um, at a high school with really lovely crowd of all ages. And I was... It's interesting that was my last live performance because it wasn't a dance venue. It was a music venue. And, and I was dancing the solo that was created with Wendy Erd and Larry Moss. And I guess when I think back to it, I was putting myself outside of my comfort zone as a dance artist in that I was in a music, 100% music centered evening was rehearsing in a music hall at the University of Maryland, College Park. I was staying with Larry and his wife, which was wonderful. The peonies were in bloom. I was renting a car and driving back and forth. I felt very independent. I felt very much like I'm in a different space. It was really fun to not know so many things about the evening. It rained really, really hard. All the musicians got soaked. They're coming in in their black outfits, like with towels. And I think subconsciously, this was a year ago, I think subconsciously I knew this was coming because from last year till now, I did so much traveling and so much 
immersing in environments that were new and different and fortifying for me. And I guess if I could speak to that moment, I would just do as I did then and I would give such gratitude. <laughs> After I performed, I laid down in the back and just listened to all the music. And I went on these wonderful space trip places listening to his music live. And after the concert, I, I believe I, I shared that with the musicians. Um, and at the time, Larry was recovering from a surgery, so he was in a wheelchair. And I just remember feeling that lifeline of the artist making the art no matter what. And I was so happy to be part of that. And Larry and I have been in touch. I reached out to him when the pandemic was announced to check in and see how they were. And we have plans to continue. And he's just, you know, he's going. He's never going to stop. It's so wonderful. Wow. You, you dancers are living, like, living hard, like living well, living really fully. How about you, Becky, when you reflect on that? last big public or audience oriented dance yeah similarly i feel like with these other beautiful women i was um i was in a different my last performance was a quite a different space tr than traditional um for me uh it was in february um our shared art space, um, my artist partner here, the filmmaker Brian Pentecostas is also a dancer um, and he's part of the hip hop and breaking community here. And he hosted a first Friday art event that brought together um, hip hop dancers and breakers and um, in an effort to build community and hear their stories. And so he, he gathered everybody, there was maybe 65, to 70 people, um, most art makers, but most, uh, but also their supporters and, and families. And he sort of mm -hmm. conducted this dance cipher, but interview process as well. So talking to artists about um, what drives them to keep working and, and watching these amazing technicians um, move their bodies. And, and so I got to be a part of that and um, in, in uh, amidst all of these amazing hip hop dancers do some contemporary modern work in the midst of it. And I felt, um, you know, both a little insecure and vulnerable and um, in this performance to be sharing myself in that way, but it also felt really good. And um, reflecting back on that, thinking about like how sweaty and hot the, the warehouse space was and how close all of our bodies were. And I can't even imagine that right now from this perspective, but like, it was just so fun and so full of life and so full of um, heart. And uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm just really, I'm grateful for that last experience um, of performing because uh, that's what I love. I love that. Wow. So you, you all um, as dancers are really connected to um, as teachers and collaborators with a world of artists who have, um, you know, many of them completely been um, disabled or disconnected from opportunities to perform and share. And also many of them are experiencing some real financial setbacks as live performers who don't have access to 
you know, to um, the stage. Um, I'm sure there are some particular examples of um, creativity and vision that um, have really moved you. And I'm just curious if you, if you could shower some light in the form of funds or opportunity on a, on a individual, a project or a movement that you've seen from where you sit now, somebody who, who could, who really um, deserves some light, where would you, where would you send that? I'll start with you, Maura. About this question. Oh, can yeah. you hear me now? Yep. Ah, yes. Oh, I, I thought about this question and I, I will be quick about it, but I have, uh, there's four different uh, people I thought about or organizations. Uh, one was Guilford Native American Association, which is in located in Greensboro, North Carolina, and particularly um, the youth of that organization and people that have grown up um, doing cultural and powwow dancing within that organization um, and where uh, they have been able to take their learnings and explorations to really re-indigenize in a very uh, ancient, specific to the lands of what's now known as North Carolina way. Um, so there uh, also to Kelly Gonzalez, who is in Cherokee Nation, Chalkwa, Oklahoma, who is using our language and ancient imagery in a very contemporary way, contemporary formats. So it's like the continuation of something uh, old and beautiful in in a now way that is also vibrant and colorful. So for her to get that message out there, um, to Mona Cliff, who is in um, Lawrence, Kansas, who is a creator of um, beadwork, murals, uh, all different types of medium of, of artwork, and is really saying some very strong um, activist and, you know, social type of messages through her work and uplifting indigenous people from all over Lawrence. And then lastly, to James Pakotis, who is native hip hop artist and um, motivational speaker, as well as youth mentor for the work that he is doing uh, with not only youth on his reservation and uplifting and providing opportunities for other, you know, uh, he's from Colville Confederated Tribes, for other Colville and other Washington tribal folks to learn the business, but also to other um, non-native folks in Spokane area. So for those, those would be my four folks. That's fascinating and really interesting. Thank you. I wish that you had the chat feature accessible so that you could type that stuff out, but I'm just going to ask you to send me an email that I can share with anybody else who's interested about those four different persons and projects that you've lifted up. Thank you, Maura. What do you think, mm -hmm. Mariah? Where would you um, shower the, the love and the agency right now? Thank you, Asia. I'm thinking so much about going back in time to when I was 21 and 22. And I'm thinking so much about the artists that are now in the world post-college that are at home instead of maybe going to a residency 
And so instead of a single individual or even four or five individuals or an organization, I'm in a little more of a dispersing of to many. So if I could lift up the artists that I've had the pleasure of working with in the last 10 years, if I could lift up as many of them as possible with $100 to pursue their love and their passion and their whatever it is that they're doing that they are, that makes them feel alive and feel like there's hope. So I guess I would be looking for 10, <laughs> 10. <laughs> um, and I'm thinking also about the basics of food and shelter in this time and the luxury that people have if they have space or if they have food. And so to go underneath that, if I could make one donation, it would be for people that are hungry. I think you meant a thousand when you said a hundred, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> mm, thank you. Yeah. How about you, Becky? Mm, yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun question. Um, when you posed it earlier, I also thought of like, man, how many people could really use a thousand dollars? And uh, there's so many people doing such good work and I would love to just uh, make sure those people feel nurtured. Um, one person who really came to mind just now even thinking about my last performance with the hip hop community is um, a man named Gabe Harvey who started a, a hip hop dance studio here in Anchorage many years ago. And um, he is one of those yes persons who always comes and performs and he works with little kids and their parents and he creates this avenue for what he does to be a real sense of connection and um, working with adults of, um, of disabilities as well and I just I, I, I worry that people like that will burn out in this time and um, and so yeah I feel like if I could give a thousand dollars for him to do whatever he needs, just a thousand cups of coffee on his way to work. I don't know anything he needs <laughs> to make his life better um, because we need people like that to keep doing what they're doing. Um, and so, yeah, he came to mind first. Well, as we're kind of winding up the hour, and I, I do have another question for each of you, but I just wanted to ask any of our listeners if they have a question that they want to ask, they're invited to chime in at any point. Um, do you, do, do any of you have a question for each other? I've been thinking, thank you, Asia. <laughs> I've been thinking about the question for Maura and for Becky and for myself, for you, Asia. And I think the question is how How is this moment offering you new truth? And how are you receiving that? How are you making space for all the new truths that this moment is offering? That's more than one question. 
truth might not be quite quite the right word. Yeah, yeah I, it's a big question. Um, for me, I've been thinking so much about access in, in my work and um, in the arts. And um, I focused a lot in my work on what I was doing and where I was doing it, um, but maybe not who it was for necessarily all the time. And, um, and that is giving me a lot to think about and um, but a lot of like really great inspiration to think about who is the work for and how am I providing as much um, opportunity for people to be engaged with it um, in different ways. It feels like a great time of thinking about, about access to what we do. Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, hard to answer, but very good. Uh, I think one of the things, um, I, I kind of going to chime in with what you just said, is that just thinking a little bit about um, what actually is important, um, how much we don't actually need, um, as a lot of us, uh, myself included, you know, have had to give up our living spaces or, uh, you know, people lost jobs and um, had, you know, utilities turned off and so on and so forth. Um, just the resiliency and strength of our families and our Native communities uh, and our ability to share and take care of one another. Um, which is something you know we have always done, but it's uh, I think just amplified. So those are some things that I've been thinking about and discovering and rethinking about. Thank you. Well, um, I'll just be really quick and say, for me, it's it's it just really makes me desperately and enthusiastically and joyously want to connect. I just really want to. I just really want to connect and hear and listen. It's, it's just the intimacy of um, access that most um, inspires me right now. So unless there's another question from someone, I'm going to pose one, one last question for, for our featured guests. Does anybody have a question they'd like to? Okay. Um, my question is, um, what do you most look forward to right now? And it could be, you know, out into the future, or it could be something that you get most pleasure in on a daily basis. What, where are you really finding and sourcing joy? Um, well, sorry, go, oh, ahead. Who, go ahead. No, you, you go ahead, you go ahead. Maura, we're gonna, we're gonna ask you to start, thank you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, besides popcorn, which is usually the um, thing that first comes to mind, no matter what the question is, what you're most looking forward to, popcorn, that's what comes. To. Besides popcorn, um, it's still moving, moving in the movement in my day, the literal physical movement, which I am feel very blessed that I'm able to do, is what I still 
look forward to. Um, I look forward to dancing. I look forward to rehearsing. I look forward to, you know, dare I say it, I look forward to doing Pilates. You know, I I look forward to moving Um, always. Thank you. And thank you so much, Maura, for sharing in this forum. It's been really wonderful to have you. Thank you. Popcorn thank you movie. so much. I love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Mariah, what do you think? Thank you, Maura. Popcorn, you know, someone was mentioning popcorn and, and wondering, like, why is popcorn making us feel so good? And I was thinking about how so often popcorn has been both in our privacy of our own environment, but also in a social setting. And um, Mm. I sort of think that way about ice cream too, a little bit. Um, Moving as well. And I'm in a new, a new time. So when I was sick, it was a meditation. It was a meditation on making sure I could breathe. And I, I couldn't, sit down. I couldn't lay down. I had to be upright and I had to be moving just to keep my lungs from filling up with fluid. And Mm. that brought me to uh, a friend recommending a meditation with um, Samant Kyle, who is uh, also known as the karma guru. So it's meditation on the karma and the ancestry. And that has been my, um, my light. It healed me. It absolutely healed me and it continues to heal me. Um, And then I can't believe that I can be falling asleep with the Dalai Lama. I can't believe that my master teachers who are offering classes at such a low rate can be, I can go to their class. So Mm. I'm going back to class and I'm studying with, the mentors I've studied with for the last 30 years and Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen who teaches the body mind centering work and created it has never worked through the internet. The only way to experience her work has been in person in the space with her. So last summer Mm -hmm. there was a group of 200 people, 77 countries. And I was in that room in Pomona, California and now she's offering workshop and there's a thousand people coming together around the globe. And it's every Thursday. I'll share the information with Asia if, if she wants to share it with everyone. But what happens is we connect and you can feel the energy traveling around the globe surfaces. And after an hour, all that energy is so much, I have to just kind of lay down and I have to check out because I'm actually feeling the energy of the thousand participants with her. It's profound. Um, mm. I look forward to that so much. And I look forward to gathering with friends and new friends. And I have to laugh a little bit that how my going outness, the thing that used to make me feel good, is now done through Zoom. Mm. And I, it's okay. And I'm so thankful that we can adapt to this experience and that we 
we will be together again. I, I'll share one more thing really quickly. Every now and then I have fortuitous dreams and I had a dream a week ago that I was in New York City with current juniors conducting a course called Gateway to New York and we were at the Judson Church. There were no panels, there were no masks, it was no longer a pandemic. And I decided if that dream is correct, within two years, we will be free of the pandemic. And in the dream, a gentleman I've never met said, we're go we, there will be a, a vaccine in September. So I don't know if that meant September 2020, September 2021, but I am mm. sure going to hope that that was a real futuristic dream. And I woke up for the first time feeling like, you know what, we're going to be okay. And we're not always going to be at home. And we're not always going to be wearing a mask. It's just not always going to be the way it is. We're, this will... This, this time will play out and will come out of it as a much better race. Thank you, Mariah. And thank you so much for joining us today. It's really been a pleasure to connect with you in this way. Becky, what do you, what do you um, hope for? What do you, what do you look forward to? What, what brings you joy? Oh, all the things, the popcorn, the moving. Um, I've been so overjoyed of this time of learning. It could be um, painful sometimes and, um, but, and, and challenging, but the learning has been um, immensely gratifying and it brings me joy to connect to people in different ways. I think, you know, we often focus on the lack of physical connection right now, but there is just so much connection happening in different ways um, that maybe didn't happen before. Um, I'm looking forward to carrying that forward. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, finding uh, new avenues to keep making work that actually make things better. Um, and, and, that you know, it's not just surviving this time, it's finding transformative ways through it. Um, and so all of that learning and connection uh, is bringing me a, a lot of hope and joy right now. So thank you for this moment to connect as well today. I loved it. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. It's really been marvelous to connect with the amount of positive, courageous and hopeful energy that you women dancers embody and it shines right through this digital evanescence it's amazing i want to invite you all to join uh, join us next week here at this um at this time in the zoom space for um, a conversation with um kima and dasha kelly hamilton there are two um, black americans um, who are, see he's based in Anchorage and she in Milwaukee. Um, they're, they have, they're both um, slam poets, but they have been leading um, explicit conversations on implicit bias and they've been conducting these trainings. So we're gonna talk about um, their work as um, two really powerful and grassroots leaders in uh, Black Lives Matter. So I hope you'll come back and um, we'll move forward together. Thank you so much.